All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Car Thoughts with David. Uh, today, I have uh, Lachelle Atkins on the podcast, and we are going to be talking about keeping momentum and achieving goals. And uh, Lachelle is a uh, life coach, a uh, a uh, mother to fifteen. A uh, her and her husband <laughs> run a ch- uh, church together uh, in Atlanta. And, I mean, just, like, she does all kinds of stuff. I don't know how she has enough time to do it, but we're going to figure that out today. Uh, Lachelle, you can introduce yourself, and we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, first off, I just want to thank you so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to share with your audience. Uh, I love what you're doing and just being uh, courageous enough to get out there and just dive in and um, be a voice and a soundboard for a lot of people, that takes a lot of courage. So I just want to commend you for what you're doing in terms of uh, breaking out of your comfort zone with uh, providing the opportunity for us all to learn and glean from one another. Um, But a little bit about me is, uh, as you said, we have 15 children, uh, my husband and I, and uh, the first answer I want to give is that, yes, they're all ours. (laughs) A lot of people think we adopt or have foster kids, but um, my husband and I had 13 children together, so 11 of them were born natural. I had two C-sections, and then I have two stepchildren from my husband. Uh, He had two other boys, Um, and we've been married for 26 years. And as you said, we do have our own church, and my husband is retired military. Um, We met in college, and um, I come from a marketing background because that's what my degree was in. So we've had, like, a lot of different small businesses uh, in the past to kind of help supplement our income. I basically stayed home uh, with the kids, and... I got into life coaching just a couple years ago because I've had my own um, battles with stress, anxiety, and depression. So as a result, I was hospitalized three times, uh, two for stress and one for postpartum depression. So after my last hospitalization, which was in 2016, uh, that's when I began my journey of life coaching. So just in the past with me being an only child and trying to juggle having a large family and um, all the different components of um, basically dealing with the family dynamics of homework, cooking, taking the kids to school, extracurricular activities, uh, a lot of that responsibility was on me because my husband was the sole breadwinner. So now that I have pretty much gotten a handle on what my triggers are, um, how to deal with stress, uh, I have just had a calling, I feel, to enter the uh, career of life coaching so that I can help other people overcome uh, obstacles that can arise in their life and keep them in a place to where they can uh, live their best life. So that's a little bit about my background, how I got into life coaching. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that's really uh, so important is, is the fact that you you've been there and you, you've seen where mm-hmm. where that path can take. Because so many people have this misconception that we're all islands out here and none of us are the same. None of us have been through any 
of the same circumstances, and we just have to kind of go it alone. And uh, yes. we don't think that there's some, you know, to ask for help a lot of times. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of like the um, thing that happens just with our society. You know, we have been kind of immersed in a society where, you know, it's like you put a mask on. Um, a lot of times we have this um, saying, fake it till you make it. And so we have a lot of insecurities and doubts and limiting beliefs that we just kind of cover up. And so we go through life thinking that, oh, I can just cover this up. It's not really going to have an impact. And then we hear stories, unfortunately, of like Robin Williams or Kate Spade or, you know, uh, Anthony Bourdain, people that are, you know, in a situation where they've had this mask on that they do feel like they're actually on an island, you know, and they think that there's nobody that they can reach out to that actually could even understand what it is that they're going through or they feel like something's wrong with them if they are dealing with some of the issues that kind of put us in a state of depression or stress or anxiety. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know in my own personal life, you know, that was, I often felt that I just didn't fit in with my family or that I just didn't fit in with society or maybe I was born in the wrong era Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just all of these things where I just thought like, what is wrong with me? I just, I don't, you know, I don't gel with everyone else. Everyone else looks like they've got together and I've sitting here like in a million pieces. Right. I definitely definitely understand that mindset mentality. Yeah, so, you know, what we have been trained to do uh, pretty much from children through our careers, let's just take education, for example. You know, we are taught to, you know, you are supposed to learn this type of style. You know, we now we're in a place where we're introducing different kind of learning styles for kids, you know. Whereas before, it's like, this is the way we've always done it, and if you don't conform to that way of teaching, then the child is left to feel like something is wrong with them because they are not understanding it the way that everybody else is. And, you know, it's so ironic because, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, which a lot of your audience may be, you know, we're told to stand out to um, be a purple cow, so to speak. That's one of the good books I just want to throw in there with Seth Godin about um, standing out with your entrepreneurial business, knowing your niche, and we have been suppressing that individuality all through being raised, and um, that affects our confidence. It affects our um, ability to stand out and just go and do these things. We've just kind of like promoted a lot more fear in our lives because we've been trying to suppress these individual uh, traits that we may have. And so we have to go back and reprogram ourselves when we decide, okay, I'm going to do another business or I'm going to go out on my own. You know, there's so many different um, things that coaching really helps us to overcome so that we can be successful in whatever business we decide to do, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, that that's a perfect example of the Purple Cow and Seth Godin's uh, book because, you know, 
and then, and then of course, there's a lot of stuff with neurologistic programming and um, also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the uh, the uh, you know making those statements every morning, the the you know that you, oh, know, yeah. you are good enough and all that, and, and and retraining your brain, so to speak, because when mm-hmm. it comes to you know creating um, you know an entrepreneurial system, a business, writing a book, whatever it is, you know any of those mm-hmm. goals that you set in place you really have to kind of unlearn all those things, you know, because right. like you said, we're taught to kind of fit in that box and, mm-hmm. um, you know, to stay, stay in that lane and, and that's what we do. And then mm-hmm. you know, now we're like, well, I've got this creative idea. What, what do I need to do? And you have no idea where to start <laughs> or how to say goals or how to do any of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's very important to, you know, what I do with a lot of my clients is, you know, we just start from ground zero, you know. So the first thing is really um, you kind of have to build trust with yourself, you know, because we have these desires that we want to do, but we just kind of suppress them. So it's like, oh, nobody's going to, you know, believe me if I want to do this or who's going to be my uh, client, who's going to support me on this. And, you know, a lot of times we try to get support from the wrong people. You know, that's why I say it's important to get with a mentor or a tribe of people that may be like-minded in whatever goal that you're aspiring for. So if I want to learn how to play the piano, I'm not going to go to a tennis, uh, you know, somebody who's good in tennis and talk to them about how I want to play the piano. You know, they may not be able to support me on that. But what we do is we just assume, oh, my family, they've been with me all this time, and, you know, they're going to support me on this. And a lot of times they do want to support you, but they may not know how. You know, so if there is somebody that wants to aspire to be a pianist, I mean, me being in the family, I may not know anything about being a pianist. So how am I really going to support you? So we kind of just, have this mindset that, you know, your family's just going to embrace it. They're going to just know all the answers. They're going to be there to support you. And a lot of times they want to, but they just truly may not know how, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And like you said about also finding that that tribe of people as well, because even if you do have a a, – do go to a coach or like in in Mm -hmm. your example, a piano teacher, it's also good to – hang around and spend time with other musicians as well because exactly. you build up that, that knowledge, that, that transfer of people who speak that language with you. you know? Absolutely. You know, and so that's one of the things that, you know, I think we got to have realistic goals. So I know in my case where, you know, I'm 48 and I have been – you know, in a situation where my kids are used to me being the way that I've been for, you know, it was 46 years. When I got into life coaching, you know, I had a different mindset. But I couldn't just say, okay, I've changed my mind and think that my kids and my husband and everybody's just going to embrace my way of thinking. You know, I had to realize that I had the same family, the same house, the same uh, environment, and so I had to be the change agent. And so in order for me to make sure that I maintained a balance and continued on that path 
was having a support system of like-minded people and continuing to renew my mind about what it was I was doing so that I wouldn't have unrealistic expectations for the change that I thought my family should have been embracing, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I think a mm-hmm. lot of people, you know, they see entrepreneurs doing stuff. You get your, your Seth Godin or your Gary Vee's and stuff, and they see these people doing these things, but they don't realize that, you know, how, what, how the process is. They just see, like, the end product. So they might think, right. oh, gosh, I've, I've been a life coach for two months, but nothing's happened. I haven't even got my first client yet or whatever the case may be. And, and I think it's important to make sure that you uh, also having that support system and that coach where they could say, you know what, this is this is not unusual. You know, this is normal. It takes time to build. You're not gonna you're not gonna ride a bike on your first try. You know, it's gonna take you a couple tries. Right. Well, you know, and it's like you know what they call it a term of comparing your beginning to someone else's middle. So exactly. because we can see people in action and we can interact with them and they're nice or you know we they resonate something with us. We kind of assimilate that to meaning, oh, it's not going to be that hard. You know, we kind of gel, we mesh. So, you know, you think tomorrow you're going to be where they are. And, you know, we forget that it's a journey, it's a process. There's things that they've learned based on the experiences that they've had. So you have to be very careful to understand that, you know, that may be where you're going. You know, you can resonate with that. But there are building blocks that have to take place in order for you to get to that destination of where they're going. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to build that foundation mm-hmm. before you can build mm-hmm. the house. You know. Yes. And so, you know, that's so important because you'll have those days where it's challenging, you know, especially with being an entrepreneur. You know, you may – it's feast or famine. That's what I say. You know, you could be yeah. just doing good on top of the world, and then the next month it's like crickets. And so if you don't have that foundation, you know, you realize that it's part of the journey, and, you know, you have a different way of conducting business based on whatever it is that you're faced with. But you're able to not take those ups and downs personally but understand that it's part of the process. It's part of the journey. It's part of um, making sure that you have the resiliency to stick with it no matter what you're faced with, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing is, is, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're out there, you're you're doing all this stuff. You're kind of doing it all on your own. I mean, even if you have a team, mm-hmm. you're still, you know, you're still the, the, the backbone of your business and – Absolutely. You know, you, you're going to be in there, you know, day in, day out, weekends, Christmas, whatever. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. a regular nine-to-five job. So, you know, when you're out there, you you got to realize you're you're out there. <laughs> this is true. This is so true. So I, you know, always, you know, tell my children and some of my clients that, you know, we all want to be heroes. But I tell them heroes are made in the dark. And what I mean by that is that, you know, heroes are doing all the work when everybody else might be sleeping. So if you're a basketball star, you know, no one's around when you're practicing those free throws, when you're running up and down that court, 
when you're um, doing your um, physical training and uh, different things when it's not popular. You know, if you're up 5 o'clock in the morning doing your layups and practicing them or whatever your uh, routine is, no one's around when you're doing that work. And then when people see you, they're seeing the fruits of your labor. So the things that have you've actually been working on, now the spotlight comes. But you had to do the work in order to be in that position. And so we all want to have the glory of being the hero, but the character really is formed by doing all the work when nobody else is looking. So that's something that we really need to think about when it comes to uh, the recognition that we're aspiring to have and uh, different things like that because, you know, it takes some work. It's not just handed to you, you know. It's always uh, a reward for the work that you've put in. So true. So true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, as far as, uh, you know, as far as, like, you know, maintaining that, you know, and keeping that momentum going and those goals and, and working towards um, that end result, um, mm-hmm. what are some of the, like, best ways that you've found to, to help do that, those, like, things that help keep you motivated when you're, like, okay, what do I do, you know, that feast of famine time and stuff like that? Right. So one of the things is your daily routine. Um, you, it, the best thing is to kind of incorporate what your end goals are into things that you can do every day. So if you are aspiring to write a book, okay, um, one of the things is establishing a routine daily of just writing. So, yeah, one day you may want to write a book. You may even have the title. But it doesn't matter how clear the dream is or the goal is, if you're not doing anything, it's not going to be accomplished. So just incorporating writing, if it's 15 minutes a day, um, I always encourage the smaller the amount of time, the better, because it's something that you're going to consistently do, and consistency is what pays in the long run. So a lot of times if you're just like, okay, I'm just going to write for 15 minutes when I get up in the morning, you know, it doesn't matter that it is not an hour or two hours or whatever. The consistency is what is important. So if you decide to be a writer, you have a book, a lot of times you'll end up doing more than 15 minutes. But if you start with something small that's easy to incorporate, you know, you could do 15 minutes in Atlanta traffic, easy. You know, I'm sure you know that with uh, people commuting and things like that. Um, there's also um, different apps that you can dictate things uh, to, and then it can convert to written form. So doing it for 15 minutes is something that's very obtainable. And so incorporating your goals into your daily routine to where it's something that you can do every day is one of the keys to keep your momentum. The second thing is establishing a deadline, you know, something that you're working towards. So if you are, of course, you know, things could change. You might say, I want to write a book in 60 days, you know, um, it may end up that, you know, maybe you have an editor or 
some situation that causes a snag and you go over that mark. Deadlines really are um, there for you to get started. You know, if we don't have a deadline, that's just like you're in school and you have a semester uh, that you're doing a uh, particular course. If the teacher never gave you a deadline for when you're going to take a test, you just would never get started with having a sense of urgency uh, about getting started. So a deadline is really there for you to say, hey, I'm not going to put this off anymore. This date is approaching, and so I'm going to start working towards it. So it just kind of gives you a sense of urgency to actually start keeping your goals in front of you. And then the third thing really is building in accountability. So this is like your tribe or um, if you have a coach, a mentor, getting with somebody that's going to hold you accountable to the work that you're uh, choosing to do. Um, a lot of times when it comes to our goals, our goals are personal goals. And so this is where your individually in individuality comes through because you doing your podcast, for example, I know that you had your first supporter, um, Tariq, was that his name? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, he helped you accountable at work, you know, okay, when is this podcast coming out or, you know, what are you doing? You know, it's important to have, you know, uh, people that maybe the podcast wasn't for them, but they still can give you the accountability that you need to get that push to keep moving in the direction that you're choosing to go, if that makes sense. Yo, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because, I mean, that, mm -hmm. he actually, he's been a really good supporter because, you know, a couple times I had some technical difficulties. The episode didn't come out on time, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he reached out to me. He's like, hey, uh, the episode's not out. Is everything cool? And so I was like, yeah, I got it. I'm just trying to get it uploaded. And, so, you know, it, it mm -hmm. was definitely good to have that person who was looking out, shoot me a message on Facebook and be like, hey, you know, Dave, mm -hmm. what's up, you know? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just the same thing. We have to make sure that we have those people in place. And it's like, you know, I think it's not really until we start the journey of whatever it is our goal is that we find out that um, support takes a different form, you know. So even though his um, goal may not be to have a podcast, the things that he's doing in supporting you really um, are elements that really keep you motivated and moving forward in your podcast. And he may be aspiring to do something totally different. So it's, you know, that's something that we have to be mindful of, you know, and that's one of the things that's key with a coach. You know, a coach is coaching and um, you're pursuing whatever it is you're pursuing, but the coach is able to be there and kind of help you, hey, you know, um, what's going on? Do you need help? Are you uh, staying focused? Um, can I introduce you to some people that can kind of get you moving in the direction that you need to go? Um, are you ready to start whatever it is? Because I can put you in contact with somebody that can definitely allow you to take that next step if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's, you know, where, you know, you as a coach have that advantage because you work with so many different people. You can put 
the person that's being coached in contact with people, the, the, the right type of people that can hold them accountable, the right type of people mm-hmm. that can help them with time management or things like that. And, and like what mm-hmm. you said about the uh, shorter time frames, that's very true because a lot of people are like, oh, I can't sit down and, like, for instance, write for an hour. I've got to go right. run and, you know, grab the dog from the, sh- uh, from the, um, you know, sitter or, you know, go pick up the kids. I don't have an hour. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas with 15 minutes, yeah, anybody can carve out 15 minutes out of their day and, and set a time and be like, okay, this is my 15 minutes to do this. Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I just give the example, too, of brushing your teeth, you know. We only have one set of teeth that are we're responsible for for all of our life, right? And it, you only take two minutes or four minutes max. If you brush your teeth twice a day, you know, it's like four minutes. So look at what four minutes can do for you with one set of teeth that you have all your life. You see what I'm saying? So it's not about the time. It's about the consistency of doing it every day. So if we can remember to do something that minute for that amount of time, it's not about the amount of time. It's about just being able to set aside and be consistent with that on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that (laughs) building that consistency definitely helps too because I know – um, as I was writing my first uh, book, you know, there was times mm-hmm. where, you know, I kind of, and thankfully I had a good mentor and I had, um, you know, a a, uh, a deadline that he held me to. So that definitely mm-hmm. helped because, you know, I got to this point where I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not inspired to write. But but then yeah. I, he was like, you know, write, write something else. Just write whatever comes to mind. You don't have to write your book. Just take some time and just write because you need to keep that consistent. When you get back into that mode, you're you're going to already have that writing muscle. You know, it's going to be in shape, so you're going to be ready to go. And I was able to knock out the, the last part of the book in a couple of weeks. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Now, so you know, I, me and my one of my colleagues were having a discussion about writing um, the other day. Um, do you find that it makes a difference if you're typing? Um, as opposed to writing freehand when it comes to creativity? Um, for me, um, I've always been more of a typer, so I actually do feel like if I'm behind the keyboard, I'm more comfortable um, okay. and, and able to flow better just simply because that's my that's my safe space or wherever. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, as far as, you know, I know several people who, who have said the same thing about, you know, writing freehand where they actually, um, you know, say that they they have more creativity when they're actually physically writing. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of, through school, uh, to kind of go back to what you had mentioned about, you know, the education system and how they kind of, like, made things um, if you didn't learn this way. Uh, right. You know, you weren't really accepted. I was left-handed, and I was one of the only people oh. in my school that was. So for me, writing was always a challenge because I was – they tried to force me to learn to write right-handed. So oh. um, when I got when I got access to a keyboard and could type or a, or a typewriter, I didn't have to worry about whether I was left-handed or right-handed. So for me, that's I think that's where my uh, men- mentality on that's different than probably most people. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, because I have out of all my children, there's only two of them that are left-handed. And you know, you kind of 
I always wonder that because they are, they're independent, you know, but in terms of, you know, you don't really think about certain things that they have to conform to, even when it comes to just writing, you know, um, they've pretty much been self-taught like how to hold their pencil, uh, scissors or whatever the case is because they have, you know, they just have been different in that aspect. And they never really asked, whereas I just noticed that my older children, I remember taking more of an active role with um, showing them how to hold a pencil and that type of thing and, you know, certain things that, you know, you don't even think about um, with being uh, left or right-handed. But that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, uh, to to counterpoint off of that, uh, when my sister uh, was who was also left-handed, um, when my mom was trying to teach her how to crochet, um, mm-hmm. she couldn't figure out a good way to do it because she was like, "Well, I'm right-handed; she's left-handed. The needles, you know, in different hand, all this stuff." Um, mm-hmm. And what she actually had figured out how to do to how to teach my sister how to crochet was actually to sit in front of her and actually do it mm-hmm. almost like a mirror image, you know. That's and, awesome, uh, and that's how she kind of taught her how to do that. So, so yeah, it definitely took. It definitely was quite different creatively because yeah, I remember I picked up a pencil and you know I was like, uh, and I was like, I don't know if this is right. I was holding, you know, when I was a little kid, and yeah, you know, like, mm-hmm. it was in my left hand. So, you know, but yeah, that was definitely interesting. Like I said, I think that's why I have that perspective. But I know anyone I know who writes uh, definitely feels mm-hmm. more on the creative creative when they're actually writing by hand. So. Okay. That, yeah, that's, that, now that definitely would make a big difference. That's interesting, though. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, so I was just kind of going through some of your uh, previous podcasts. So, you know, because I have my daughters left-handed, and they're both of them are girls, and they both kind of have the personality of being a little bit more shy. And I know we're just talking just, you know, amongst, you know, your life and their life, you know, and we can't say this about everybody, but do you think that that might have something, maybe just the idea of thinking that you're left-handed, there's certain things you have to try to conform to, which makes you a little bit more, um, I don't know, just kind of quiet and shy more so than other people that may be more outgoing? Um, I mean, I would say probably that had something to do with it because people looked at me because I was different because, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. hold my scissors the same way or, you mm-hmm. know, my pen, uh, my pencil or, you know, like, for instance, um, actually, when I would play sports, um, you know, I'd walk up, like, for instance, playing baseball in school, you know, in the mm-hmm. gym and walked up, grabbed a bat, stood at the plate, and the first thing that happened the coach runs out or the PE teacher runs out and he's like, David, you're on the wrong side of the plate. You're left-handed. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. So he, he gets, he gets me on the plate and has me hold the bat left-handed. And, you know, the whole, the whole game was stopped because he's trying to teach me how to hit left-handed. I'm like, yeah, but this doesn't feel right. So actually I bat right-handed, which is kind of odd. And uh, oh. so, you know, there was always those, those little awkward things. They kind of, yeah. So yeah. I kind of feel like in a way I was probably, a little bit more reserved because I didn't know how people were going to react or accept mm. me or not accept me as a result because 
I did everything a little bit different than others. That that just gives me so much insight. That is just awesome, you know, because, you know, it's just one of those things um, that you don't really realize if, you know, you just kind of take it for granted. You just assume a certain way of thinking, but just, you know, something as simple as writing with a different hand can make all the difference, you know. That is just really yeah. insightful. That really, I, I'm glad we had this conversation. I have a oh, different yeah, me, uh, me outlook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know, because for me, like I said, being an only child, it's one thing just to kind of try to be mindful of everybody as individuals, but to kind of even have a more um, keen insight into even also being a little bit more different and more of an individual based on, you know, being left-handed or right-handed is so insightful. It really makes a lot of sense, and that really could have a big impact. I know for my daughter who, she's 14, and we just have the um, the mindset of, you know, you just have to speak up, you just have to say this, and I think there could be some times where it's like, I don't want to speak up. I just want to be like everybody else. You know what I mean? And yeah, you so I, I just think, want to fit in. Right, right. And so that just is so that just is so profound. I'm just glad we had this conversation. That really uh, makes a lot of sense for a lot of, you know, probably a lot of her thought process with some things. It really has shed a light on some. So that's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I mm-hmm. I'd watched a video which I'll I'll send it to you too, which was kind of an interesting insight into left-handed versus right-handed. But one of the key takeaways I took from watching it was uh, throughout history, there's only been an estimated, I think, ten percent of the world's population at any given time that is actually left-handed oh. versus right-handed. So it's a yeah. very small percentage. I mean, even though now with nearly seven billion people, that's a lot of left-handed people. But you know, generally I know. speaking. Um, you know, and then of course, if you look at history, a lot of times, uh, you know, in, in historical texts or even the Bible, uh, most of the time, left-handed mm-hmm. people were looked at as being uh, shifty or dishonest too. I so there's see. always been that negative connotation, society-wise as well, mm-hmm. which could also lead to people feeling nervous or anxious about being left-handed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so true. That that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so, you know, and it's, uh, I mean, I feel like a lot of kids really, you know, since there's so few of them, could really feel like, you know, hey, what is wrong with me not being able to hold a pencil with this hand? You know, because I know for, um, with my children, some of them are like, you know, she's holding her pencil with the wrong hand. I'm like, no, she's left-handed, you know. And it's like, you know, they try to make her, be just like them and it's like no she uses her left hand and so it's been accepted but you know you do go through that process of like hey this is what everybody else is doing so you just fall in line but it's so interesting to really think about that and how that really can have an impact on your thought process and you could be thinking what is what hand you write with have anything to do with anything but it, it just is another uh, situation of feeling like, you know, you have to conform and, you know, there's something wrong with you being an individual and doing something different 
and to learn that at a young age, that's just, you know, a hard thing to deal with. So that, that really makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you have to think about things like, for instance, when me and my wife go out to dinner, um, I have to mm-hmm. think about making sure I'm on the right side of the table if we're sitting, like, side by side, like if we're on, like, a double date or something. Um, oh. Because she's right-handed, I'm left-handed, so if we sit, like, me on the right and her on the left, our arms are bumping I into see. each other all, all, all dinner long, <laughs> you know, so, I... <laughs> so we have to sit on the other side. Yeah. That but makes it, it that is, makes so much sense, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Hey, I love learning new things, okay? <laughs> hey, I, I I've tell you, that a lot of things I didn't even think of until you you asked those questions. <laughs> hmm Yeah, I'm telling you, just you have to always be a student, and, you know, and it's okay to have – I mean, that just really can be so insightful and really help you with a lot, you know, because a lot of our limiting beliefs, we do not usually verbalize. We just kind of adopted them and accepted them and never really questioned them, you know. And um, when you have insight for things, it really gives you clarity so that you can have those questions that you can ask that really um, help you, you know, because I know a lot with stress, anxiety, and depression. What I do with my clients is just tell them, you know, I know that you may be stressed out, frustrated, or whatever. But what about your situation could you control? And so if you go back and really start getting underneath the layers, you know, so we'll just take this whole thing of being left-handed, you know, you go back and you begin to think, you know, why was I feeling different? And it's like, well, I didn't even do things from the very beginning like everybody else. But I was always trying to do them like everybody else or whatever. And that is so liberating. Because then you can go back and you can embrace, well, you know, people tried to do this because they weren't left-handed. So they didn't know how to teach me. Like even the whole thing of, you know, your mom trying to teach your sister how to crochet. You know, we don't even consider these things. And now that we go back and we think, okay, well, I've held on to this limiting belief. And really, now I can see that I, I can let that limiting belief go. You know, I'm older and more mature to understand, you know, that it's not that they didn't want to teach me or whatever, but they just didn't know how. And so you don't have to keep the baggage that something was wrong with you. It was just what what it was, is that they didn't know how. And, you know, a lot of people are not creative. You know, it's like they follow whatever formula, and if they have to make up their own, they are at a loss, and they don't know how. So they just don't even try, you know. And so you don't have to live with that mindset of thinking something's wrong because you can go back and understand why and where it came from. That's just so profound, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that's that's the thing is, you know, there's there's all these answers out there that, you know, you just have to, you know, take that look at yourself and actually realize that, okay, it wasn't you. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it was this or this. And, and now that you know and you have identified it and named it, you can now conquer mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Exactly. And so then you could say, hey, 
I'm in control. I can choose to react this way or that way and understand why. So that's really good. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> so what's new for you? You have some new books that you're working on? Um, actually, yes. Uh, I have uh, just recently um, sent to my editor a book that mm-hmm. I'm co-authoring uh, with a good friend of mine that I met through LinkedIn. Uh, oh. And uh, so we're hoping to release that book in the next couple months. And then I'm also working on my second uh, science fiction novel, uh, which I oh, just started okay. on uh, this year as well. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Now, that's uh, quite a thing. So you just met the person through LinkedIn, your co-author? That's how you guys met? Uh, yes. Yes. That yeah, is awesome. I, uh, I connected with him, uh, and uh, he had commented on one of my posts, so I sent him a connection request, and I thanked him for, for commenting. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, he lived in, in Raleigh, so I'm in Charlotte. So I was like, you know what? I oh. go up to Raleigh occasionally. I'd like to meet with you and have a coffee and just chat. And we, we uh-huh. hit it off really well. And so, um, you know, he's got he's got tons of brilliant ideas. He he's very uh, self deprecating. I'm trying to help him get over that uh, because he's okay. like, oh, I'm not creative. I'm not this. I'm not that. And I'm like, dude, you you just came up with all these ideas. You know, you're right. all creative. So so um, so you know, he 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 wrote a good like. 12 pages of notes just for this book um, that he handed wow. to me and all this. And, and I'm like, dude, you, you could write this book by yourself. So, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. here to help whatever I can do. So, so yeah. And, um, you know, so I'm super excited about that because I think it's going to be huge for him to finally realize, like, you know, like when I got my first book and I saw my name on mm-hmm. it, I was like, that's, that's my name, you know. So I think that's really going to yes. help a lot as well. Yeah. So, yeah. That is so awesome. So now what's that book about? Uh, it's about actually networking and taking your online connections offline. So it's kind of really about what oh. we did um, and, and how we became friends and very close just by that is awesome. him meeting online. So, yeah. And then he's already got ideas coming up for another book that he wants to write uh, with me after that. So That so, is yeah. awesome. That's good. Yeah, I was just telling um, one of my uh, network connections, last night because we're going to be collaborating on something and she was like you know how do you overcome the fear of doing something and I said look you know you can take the approach I'm just going to do it I said if that is not strong enough for you then go grab a partner get somebody that's going to do it with you until you can build your confidence up so that you know you can see that it's okay you know so we have to remember that you know, based on our personality and just our level of confidence and experience sometimes, you know, you could tell someone to just do it. And to, for them, that's the equivalent of going and jumping off a cliff. You know what I mean? <laughs> so oh, yeah. if you can't do that, then find a smaller way to accomplish the same goal, but doing it where it's less stress, it's less anxiety. So I said, you know, grab somebody and take them by the hand and let them go with you on that journey. So that that just gives me confirmation just what you're saying in this co-authoring sense because, you know, it's okay to have a partner and have someone go on that journey with you. And that's another thing, you know, it's like um, the journey and the whole learning process with actually doing it, that's how you grow. It's not – a lot of times the finished product, 
you know, you had to grow into that person that accomplished that goal. So there are things that you're learning through the journey that there is no substitute for, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with, with, with starting this podcast, I, I was terrified to do that. But, you know, through mm-hmm. actually going out there and recording one episode, recording another episode, uh, eventually mm-hmm. building up the courage to ask people to come on the show to interview. And, and then this year I'm trying to do, you know, ten times more interviews than I did last year. And, and you know, it's it's all a work in progress. You know, I'm just climbing that mountain. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. why I tell people when they ask me, how did you get started? I'm like, I, I took one step. <laughs> and yeah. then I took another. And, um, yeah. and, yeah, and sometimes I called in help. Sometimes, you know, because I don't know everything. I know I know, I, mm-hmm. I know probably less than a lot of people. So, you know, mm-hmm. every chance I can to absorb knowledge, you know, I, I do that. And, and that's that's, I think, the biggest message I try and convey with this podcast and bringing people on the show is just mm-hmm. teaching people, like, you know, it's a process. It's a journey. It's not always meant to be taken alone. We would we, Exactly. We all wouldn't live on the same planet if we were meant to take this journey alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I look at, you know, the biggest uh, example is Jesus, and he had 12 disciples, you know. So Absolutely. he had the ability to do it all by himself, but he still had help, you know. And um, that's one of the things that, you know, we always forget is that, you know, it takes a village. And the more support you have, the more you can really kind of get into the comfort zone of what your skill and um, abilities are, you know, because you're able to kind of be who you are to the fullest and other people come and support you with doing your role. And so they can help you remember the things that you may not be conscious of, you know. So, you know, even just, I'm sure, just maybe follow up with your guests or something, you know. You could have a virtual assistant, hey, this person is just going to do the follow-up. I'm going to do the podcast thing. They follow up or coordinating, you know, whatever. So it just helps you to kind of have a bigger net the more people you help because your reach is just going to get that much further, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and like what, uh, to go back to what you said about Jesus and the 12 disciples, you know, he actually, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't just say, okay, well, you guys are good. He's like, okay, go out and make more disciples. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was supposed to be a perpetual process of growing and mm-hmm. building and, and uh, constant, you know, so absolutely. Absolutely. Mhm. Yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed our conversation. <laughs> I, I I'm so well. excited. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited about that insight. I'm just like want to run and go give my daughter a hug and talk to her. But yeah, that is just awesome, though. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been awesome to have you and to be able to chat with you and. Um, you know, as far as, you know, ways to get in touch with you or find you online or, or mm-hmm. you know, a plug for your business, whatever you want to do, if you want to just share that. And, of course, I'll have that in the show notes as well. Yes. Um, the best way to get a hold of me is LinkedIn. That is just my most favorite platform. Um, I'm still working on my um, website. That's one of the things that's just not my forte. <laughs> but I do have 
um, a website, though. They can look up uh, LachelleAtkins.com. So that's Lachelle with a C and then Atkins with a D, as in David. So just LachelleAtkins.com or, you know, same name through LinkedIn. But um, I have really enjoyed this conversation. And um, anything that I could do to help you uh, moving forward, I have a couple of people in mind that I definitely will connect you with for um, being a guest on the show and things of that nature. So um, I'm really glad that our paths crossed. And I just want to give a shout-out to Elaine who um, introduced me to you. Um, so I just want to thank her for that as well. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. She is. She has mm-hmm. provided so many fantastic podcast guests uh, like mm-hmm. yourself, and and it's it's always always been a pleasure to to get to know her. She's such a a uh, bright star. <laughs> in the oh night yes. Sky for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I wish you much luck on your podcast and anything that I can do in the future um, to just give me a call and reach out to me and let me know. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank and you. keep <laughs> me informed about your book. When it comes out, I'll be happy to share it with my connections and everything. So I wish you guys the best on that as well. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hmm. You're welcome. Get ready for the free global app that works for you. WorkApp is set to revolutionize the way people connect in their personal and professional lives. Finally, there's a one-stop shop to help you post jobs or gain employment. Would you like your very own digital shop without any fees or charges? A global messaging service. And you can also post all types of events and courses and you can buy, sell or rent any items you wish. WorkApp is a global platform that helps you find what you need, when you need it, without any costs or delays. So sign up for this exciting new service today. WorkApp works for you.